Studio Ervo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 10. The Cornerstone of the Edmund Family. The tension of the situation was not lost on Tim and Tristan. They were standing on the grounds of Essence Corners with Greta from the Musée du Essence, her four bodyguards with pistols pointing at the two of them, Jessica, Rick, and the ground security guard. One stupid move by anyone could erupt into a firefight. Since the guards clearly had things under control, Greta turned to her phone and began calling the team to work out the logistics of what was to come. Tristan took this momentary distraction to lean in a little and whisper to Tim, Please tell me you have the walking stick. Tim breathed out in a slow stream, trying his best to move as little as possible, as though any quick movement would provoke a bullet, which, in his mind, it could. Barnabas has it for safekeeping. To be honest, didn't see things going down like this. Tristan stifled a laugh as much as he could. Really? Things tend to go from bad to worse for us, so you should have seen that happening. Hey! The guard, paying attention to Tristan, shouted, thrusting his gun forward for emphasis. The two stiffened once more and quieted down. Rick, though, wasn't impressed. He looked from one guard to another and then back to Greta, raising his voice so she could hear him. My idiot nephew told you more than he should have, but that doesn't make any of this legal. He cleared his throat and caught his breath before continuing. You can leave now, and the cops won't have to be involved. Greta didn't bother to pay the man much attention, save to chuckle softly to herself. When she spoke, it was matter-of-factly, though she still didn't turn to address them. A considerable donation was made to your local authorities. They have been told that we are conducting construction, and there might be some loud noises due to us needing to break through bedrock. She turned and gave the group a glowering stare. So long as everyone remains calm... The construction noises will confirm what I told them, and everyone will leave here safely. As if to punctuate her statement, a large red tractor trailer lumbered down the road, with a bright yellow backhoe strapped onto the trailer. The driver was waved down by one of the scientists and parked on the side of the road closest to the tool shed. Greta turned to one of the guards. Dietrich, Yuri, take them inside one of the empty units and keep them out of the way. We have work to do. The woman turned on her heel and headed off towards the driver, who was beginning to prepare the backhoe for removal from the trailer. After frisking the group and tossing their phones out onto the highway, Yuri beckoned for the group to march, while Dietrich approached the security guard. Gun, he said in a broken English, holding out his empty hand gruffly. The guard looked to Rick, who was clearly not pleased, and back to Dietrich. He handed the weapon over gingerly and looked down not wanting to make eye contact with anyone. Tim turned around and faced Greta. He had had more than enough of being left out of the loop. Everything that had happened to him since coming back to Sands Point, he was always several steps behind everyone else. Not anymore. If he was going to be the leader of the Essence Guard, he sure as hell had best act like it. Greta, you owe me some answers. The group stopped, and Dietrich stepped close to Tim pointing the gun directly at his back. Greta still had her two guards with her. All three stopped and regarded Tim. She nodded to Dietrich, who led the others towards the plaza. Tristan walked calmly over to Tim, 
his eyes never leaving Greta or her goons. Where he goes, I go. She nodded again, and the group continued their slow escape, leaving the two men behind with Greta and her companions. All balls and no brains, Tim whispered to Tristan out of the corner of his mouth. Guess it's hereditary, Tristan quipped back, quietly, smirking slightly. Greta cleared her throat. Gentlemen, time is precious. Tim pursed his lips and nodded his agreement. Indeed. So look, whatever you're doing here, you fooled us. We're not stupid enough to try to stop you. My cousin and I, we've been in the dark this whole time. We know something important and special is happening here, but no one has given us any straight answers. You obviously have some, so tell us. What the hell are you doing here, and what is the Essence House? Greta raised her eyebrows and let out a long, slow breath. I suspected that you were ignorant of the situation when you called us, but I appreciate your frank behavior. I know nothing of this Essence House. We did some research on it, but my information is most likely no better than yours. The home was built in 1946 by one Roland Edmund and demolished in the late 1990s. Tim narrowed his eyes. We both know that's not what I mean. Time is precious. You said it. You're going to find it anyways. Under that tool shed is the original wine cellar from the Essence House. When you step into it, you are back in the house again when it was still standing. So I ask again, Greta, what is the Essence House? Greta, frustrated with the conversation and wanting to move it forward as she sees the backhoe begin to drive off the back of the trailer, spat an answer at him. Bricks and memories, that's all the Essence House ever was. That home, this property, it's nothing special at all. Everything that is special, everything that the house could do, was stolen from my family by yours. She turned and pointed to the backhoe, noisily making its way over to the tool shed. That machine is about to dig up what made the property special, a cornerstone from our ancestral home that houses the energy of the essence. And when we leave, you will have your shed and your wine cellar, and I will finally have back that which should have always been mine. Tristan was processing all of this as much as he could, while never taking his eyes off of the gentleman with the guns. Tim didn't have anything else on his mind, save for this altercation. Stolen? That doesn't make any sense at all. We aren't like that. Greta spat and turned around. Grow up, Timothy Edmund. Your grandfather stole from us, and you have lived your entire lives enjoying that which is ours. Your grandfather was a thief and a liar. Friedrich, she said, walking away, take them and put them with the rest. The two were led away, Tim watching Greta the entire time, trying to read her somehow and see if there were any clues as to whether she was telling the truth or not. He finally turned back when he heard Tristan mumble beside him, 1946. I always thought that the place was hundreds of years old. Tim smacked Tristan out of his reverie, and the two continued on. From across the street, Barnabas Kremke watched the goings-on through a pair of binoculars. He sat in his decades-old, reliable sedan, his hand nervously stroking the walking stick that had been left in his care. The guns, the machinery, and the danger, none of that had been in his file. No, all he knew was that things went bad and he was not to interfere. His hand brushed the smoothened wood and he let out a loud sigh. 
The watching was the hardest part. Back at the plaza, Tristan opened the door and walked through, Tim following close behind. Yuri locked the door behind them. Tim spotted what used to be his keyring, now in Yuri's beefy hands. They were inside what looked like the beginnings of a cafe, with a counter for service and then some more counter space for preparation and storage. Rick was seated in his wheelchair, scowling into his lap, with Jessica standing behind him quietly. The guard was seated on the floor with his back to the wall, his head in his hands in shame. Tristan hopped his butt up onto one of the counters and pressed his back against the wall, giving him the entire view of the room. Yuri stood at the front door, and Dietrich guarded the back, leaving the group to their own devices. As Tim leaned down and pressed his head against the cool, faux wood of the countertop, Rick wheeled over and jabbed a chubby finger hard into his ribs. This is all your fault, boy. These people are digging around on our property and holding us ransom because you, what, got a stupid letter addressed from your gramps that he wrote 50 years ago? You're as stupid as he was. Tim winced and whirled around, done with all of this. He could feel the contempt that had been there for the family and Rick in particular, well up inside of him. There was no part of him that was holding back right now. Are you kidding me right now? You selfishly kept everyone out of the house, hid it from us despite the fact that we've all been adults for almost two decades now, and forced all of us to go behind your back to find out anything about our past. Elise had to go to Aunt Flo just so her kids could have the same experience with their granddad that we all had. Tristan forced me to break into the tool shed because he wanted to go back and save our parents. And me? Honestly, Rick, I was happier when I was screwing around in Chicago and you guys were barely a damned memory. Rick scowled. You don't know a damn thing about me, Tim. I gave up everything for my family. Tim scoffed. Oh yeah, big house in the country, personal nurse, most of the income from the plaza. Must suck to be you. Shut the hell up, Rick. The two turned from each other, encompassed in their own hatred. Meanwhile, Tristan had beckoned Jessica over with a nod of his head. Seeing that she wasn't noticed, the nurse gingerly walked over to lean on the counter next to him. She kept her eyes on Rick and let Tristan break the ice. So, what's a girl like you doing in a plaza like this? He said under his breath, trying not to laugh. Jessica grinned. Watching two grown men fight over ancient history? What about you? She shot back. It felt like the winter of 95 all over again. Oh, just wondering how this girl I met back in the 90s now works for my dad, and somehow looks like she's barely in her 30s, when we both know she's almost definitely in her late 40s or early 50s. She shot him a glance out of the corner of her eye, her lip curling up in an appreciative smile. Wow, you really upped your flirt game in the past. What has it been, a week or two? Tristan nodded a little bashfully. That sounds about right, yeah. Don't skirt the question, Jess. Did my dad use the house to somehow make you young or something? Jessica shook her head, her hair tumbling off her sloped shoulders. Not everything is magic, Tristan. The truth? I took care of myself, and I had a little work done, too. Pampering can go a long way, especially when you come into a tidy sum of money when you're young. Tristan leaned back and gave her a long, surprised look. Really? Wow. Good for you. You win the lottery or something? She shot him a hurt glance and playfully slapped his arm. Hey, most of this is natural, so bite that tongue. 
And no, not the lottery. I took my life savings, everything I had gathered together for a house in the country, and put it all on a single bet in Vegas. Maggie Simpson, 70 to 1 odds, as the shooter of one Charles Montgomery Burns. She tapped the bright, childish plastic watch on her wrist for emphasis. Tristan couldn't contain his excitement. He grabbed her arm, eyes wide as saucers, and grinned. Holy crap! You believed me! You really believed me! A chuckle rumbled in her chest, and her shoulders shook slightly. I bet a lot on you, Tristan Edmund. It's why I tracked down your father and went on retainer as his nurse whenever he returned to New York. I've been working for him for years now. Tristan was exacerbated. Why didn't you try to find me? Talk to me, something, anything. Jessica shot Rick a forlorn glance and kept her eyes on him. I memorized your license, Tristan. I dreamed about it, especially after I knew everything you had said was true. I knew when it was issued, and I had a pretty good idea of when I might be able to see recognition in your eyes. So I took a job and waited for Rick to finally see his long-lost son again. A silence overtook the room, filled it, surrounded it, and made its inhabitants, though unarmed and helpless, just a little more claustrophobic and anxious than they had already been. Quietly, meekly, Rick spoke up. I tried, you know. I tried to be the hero, like you think you're doing. He still looked down at his lap, unable to make eye contact with anyone in the room. Tim breathed his annoyance out through his nostrils loudly. Oh yeah? How'd you do that, Rick? He asked, a trace of skepticism in his voice. I didn't die in the crash, but damn it, I wish I had. I spent the next year a drunken, angry mess. Nothing mattered, nothing except for saving my brother, his wife, and the only woman I had ever loved. The only person who had made me feel special. Tristan looked up and regarded his father in a way he hadn't ever done as an adult. He pitied the man. Not a hateful pity, but a true sadness for someone who knew loss all too well. Tim didn't budge, but he also didn't dare interrupt. I used the powers of the house, the only chance I thought I had, and I went back to the night everything had all gone wrong. I tried to stop it, but damn it, Dad knew what was going to happen, didn't he? Anger started to rise in his voice as he began to look up, his glare beginning to burn a hole in Tim that the younger man could feel in the depths of his soul. He was fine with Andy, Nancy, and Alyssa dying. Somehow, that was some kind of sick sacrifice that had to happen. Well, it wasn't fine with me, boys. It was never okay. But I screwed that up now, didn't I? And going back, well, that just wasn't an option. That's why you tore down the house? Tristan gasped. Rick nodded. And why I wanted you away from the damn tool shed, so none of this would happen. Tristan stared at his father, wanted to forgive him, wanted to say the right words, but they never came. Tim, however, didn't have the same problem. He chimed in with a decidedly negative comment. Well, it doesn't matter now. Greta knows all about the source, about the cornerstone or whatever it is. They're taking it right now, and then you'll get what you wanted. No one will be able to use the house again. Rick's eyes flashed a bright red, and he grasped the edges of his wheelchair with a strength that neither Edmund boy had seen from him since they were kids. 
What cornerstone? They can take it? Tim was shocked by the man's impassioned response. You didn't know? Why else do you think they were here? Your grandfather kept the source a secret. I thought it was just as he had always said. Magic. Only, without the house, there was no way to access it. I thought it was safe, he shouted, pushing the chair back against the wall and standing up, seemingly taller than he had in quite some time. The security guard looked up in surprise, and Jessica took a step towards him before Dietrich made his way over to the older man, stopping her in her tracks. Sit, he demanded, pointing the gun directly at Rick's chest. What are you going to do to us? His voice rumbled, sounding different, as though it were thicker, fuller, and not all his own. Dietrich flicked the safety on his gun with his thumb and pressed the gun against Rick's chest. He wasn't fooling around. Yuri now had his pistol pointed at Rick as well, and had also popped the safety off on his firearm. Sit, Dietrich urged, not showing any sign that he wasn't willing to pull the trigger on a whim. Tim winced his eyes burning and his head beginning to ache. The light began to drain from the room, and yet the shadow behind Rick only grew taller, stretching up to the ceiling. Tristan, Jessica, and the guard could only watch as Rick grabbed the pistol. It was as though his actions were somehow incredibly quick and slow and calculating all at once. Tristan and Jessica gaped in surprise, but their mouths weren't fully open by the time Rick had wrenched the gun from the larger man's hands, twisted his wrist to the point of breaking, and slammed a fist like a hammer directly into Dietrich's temple. Yuri's pistol rang out, the noise reverberating through the unit like the longest blast they had ever heard. Everyone assembled, watched the bullet slowly slide through the air, and continue on as Rick slipped off to his right and made a direct dash towards the slowly horrifying visage of Yuri. Several more slow, long shots rang out as Rick roared unlike anything any of them had ever heard outside of the theater. The lumbering beast, who had only moments ago been more akin to a cripple, backhanded the goon, sending him flying through the glass and steel-trimmed door and onto the pavement outside. The light quickly came back to the room, and the remaining few watched as Rick raced towards the construction and out of sight. Tim was beginning to get his bearings back as Tristan dashed forward and grabbed the gun from the floor. What the hell just happened? The cowering security guard asked, not moving an inch. Tristan looked over at him and shrugged. Looks like shit just got real. Jessica strode over to him and held out her hand. Give me that thing she said, masking her fear with annoyance. Do you even know how to use it? Tristan shot back. She wiped it from his hands with an agility he wasn't ready for, popped the magazine out with an ease he also wasn't ready for, and popped it back in after being satisfied it was still almost fully loaded. I'm a single woman in New York City. You tell me. Tristan was a confused mixture of respect, worry, and disappointment that he wasn't the hero here. Tim grunted and pointed to Dietrich. Frisk him. Remember, he took the security guard's gun. I have a name, the guard said, pointing to his laminated pass. It's Anders. Stan Anders. Nobody cares, Tim responded in exasperation as Tristan grabbed the weapon. The three companions walked toward the now busted up entrance to what could have made a very nice little coffee shop. 
What's the plan? Jessica asked, knowing that despite her experience with the weapon, she was in way over her head. Tristan looked to Tim. You're the head of the Essence Guard. The what? Jessica asked, clearly lost. No time, Tim remarked. I'm going to take Yuri's gun and see if he has a phone. I don't think we can stop these guys, and right now, making sure Monster Rick is okay and hasn't decimated the village is our number one priority. At least with the phone, we're more likely to be able to get info and track these guys down. We'll get the cornerstone later. Cover me. Jessica and Tristan stepped out and pointed their guns down the length of the plaza. No one was around at all. You're good, Tristan said, not bothering to take his eyes off of their eventual destination. Tim ran over, grabbed the gun, and patted Yuri down until he found exactly what he was looking for, though it looked to be an older model flip phone. Great, it's a burner, he remarked, pocketing it and hefting his weapon. Let's go. Tristan held up his arm and pushed Tim back gently. Stay behind me, he said, his face a mask of sincerity. Tim put up his hands in a mock defeat. Okay, you're the hero. Come on, before your dad bites somebody's head off or something. The three began jogging lightly down the pavement as gunshots rang out in the distance. Not funny, dude, Tristan said, not bothering to look over at his cousin. It's kind of funny, Jessica added. Tristan relented. Tim chuckled. I like her. When the three made it to the corner, Tristan and Tim backed up against the wall while Jessica peeked out. They could see her face blanch noticeably. Eyes? The two stepped close to her and took in the scene. The other two guards lay sprawled out on the ground. Greta and one of the scientists hid behind the large mound of dirt that now lay beside the rather deep hole that had been dug next to the shed. The other two scientists cowered behind the shed. Rick leaped up and crashed through the cabin door of the backhoe, knocking the driver out the other side and sending the rear bucket crashing through what had once been just a simple tool shed. As Rick and his monstrous shadow recovered, splintered wood, tools, various lawn equipment, and two Swiss scientists littered the snowy grounds of Essence Corners. Greta raised her gun to take a shot. Tim, with all the bravado he could muster, popped out and fired several shots in her direction. The closest bullet sprayed dirt into the air, while the rest trailed off into oblivion. Greta turned, pointed her gun directly at Tim, and fired. While Jessica ducked back behind the corner, assuming that was what any other sane individual would do, Tim stood his ground, frozen in fear. Tristan tackled him as shots rang out. Tim looked up to see Tristan's pained expression. He slowly rolled his cousin and probably the greatest friend he had ever had off of him to see two growing bloodstains in his abdomen seeping through his coat. Jessica gasped while Tim teared up. Oh God, no, he breathed out, barely finding the words. Tristan, son, Rick called out with a pain in his voice once more completely his. Half a dozen bullet wounds could now be seen in Rick. He looked like he had somehow survived a barrage. He jumped down from the backhoe, but stumbled and fell to his knees. Tim looked over to Jessica, who had taken off her coat and pressed it against Tristan's wounds. Get him out of here and get him help, Tim insisted, starting to stand up. What about you? She responded, not taking her eyes from her patient. Tristan would never forgive me if I left his dad to die, he said. 
standing up and beginning to run over to his uncle. Greta and the remaining two scientists were nowhere to be found. Rick tried to stand up and reach out, but fell hard. Son, he called into the air with all of his strength. I'm sorry. His voice grew meeker and he made a loud choking noise in his throat. I love you. Tristan blinked as Jessica hefted him up and began to walk him towards Rick's rental car. She couldn't tell if he was conscious of anything that was going on, but he was stumbling along and hadn't yet become dead weight, so that was a good sign. An old sedan roared up and stopped right in front of the woman and her patient. She raised her gun as the rear passenger side door popped open. Get in, shouted an old man she had never seen before from the driver's seat. Not seeing as she had any real choice, she slipped Tristan in and hopped into the seat next to him. Barnabas slammed his foot on the gas pedal and looked back in the rearview mirror as the nurse tended to Tristan. You must be Jessica. The boy had nice things to say about you. She didn't smile, but he saw it in her eyes. Meanwhile, Tim had lifted Rick up by his arms and was dragging him over to where the shed had once been. He propped his uncle up against his knees as he leaned back with one arm and lifted the old cellar door halfway up. The two slipped into the shadows of the old cellar as the door banged shut. Tim popped the bolt into place with a heavy breath and began to drag himself and his uncle down the stairs. If only you had done that in the first place, he grumbled to his uncle. Above ground, Greta had watched everyone leave. Now was her chance. She slid down into the hole and brushed the dirt off of the exposed brick wall with haste. One long brick completely unlike the others, stood out. She could see ruins imprinted in the stone, unlike anything modern man had ever witnessed. With the help of the two scientists, they chipped away at the old mortar with their tools and removed the stone. When Greta reached to pull it out, she found it surprisingly light, almost weightless. While she cradled it, she turned to her two remaining lackeys, Clean this mess up and meet me at the plane, she demanded, hurrying off to her SUV. Tim had propped Rick up against one of the towering wine shelves. Rick had slipped into unconsciousness. I don't care what you say, there's only one person who can help us. He squeezed his eyes shut, tears pushing out as he mumbled to himself hurriedly. 1954, 1954, the year Dad was born. Take me to Grandpa Roland in 1954. He opened his eyes. The wine cellar was no different, though it never was. He left Rick behind and dashed for the stairs to the only door that led to the Essence House. He grabbed the handle and flung it open, all the while hollering, Grandpa Roland! Grandpa Roland! It's Rick! You've got to help! He was stopped in his tracks by what he saw on the other side of the door. Nothing. There was pure, white, nothingness. He slammed his body against it, but it was solid. His fists pounded against the white, but there were no marks, no dents. It was still nothing. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.
Darkness turned to light as eyes slowly flickered open. The stone walls had become familiar, and he felt as though he could reach out blindly and touch any one of them and know exactly which one it was and where in his makeshift prison he was now located. The man licked his parched lips and blinked. Nothing had changed since the last time he had been awake. Noise from nearby forced his head to turn quickly as a door opened loudly, flooding the darkened room with light. He looked up as a shadowy figure leaned down and placed two bowls on the floor. Drink. Eat. The dead tell no tales. The guard spoke in fluent German. He could see the man was plainly dressed in slacks and a dirty white undershirt with heavy boots on and a knife on his belt. And you have much to tell us, Alistair Simmons. Alistair cupped a hand into the bowl of water and took a long sip. He stared up silently and then sat back down. The guard eyed him a moment longer and spat. We will hear your confession, and then you will die. 